0: Welcome to In Our Own Defense podcast. We're your host, Attorney AD Winters, founder and managing attorney for the VeteransDefender.com, and Dr. Dolores Tarver, licensed psychologist. For more information about our our show, just go to Instagram at In Our Own Defense, go to Facebook at In Our Own Defense, or email us at Gmail at In Our Own Defense at Gmail.com. Our mission is to share truths and create dialogue that increases our listeners' awareness and a variety of concerns to include. Um, fostering the development of holistic plans, which incorporates mental, physical, uh, spiritual, financial, and intellectual wellness. Dr. Tarver?
1: The information provided during the In Our Own Defense podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for the knowledge, skill, and judgment of qualified mental health or medical health care professionals. Instead, all information, content, and materials available on this site are for general general informational purposes
0: only well in this episode of in our own defense podcast we have the very talented intel- intelligent lawyer leader judge carlos e moore managing attorney for the cochran firm uh, mississippi delta branch joining the show to discuss racism and the administration of justice dr Tarver, how have you been
1: i've been awesome thanks for asking how about you
0: well i've, I've been great i had the chance to get my workout in 10 miles this morning uh, and, and now um, I'm, I'm really excited about this show. You know, normally uh, we have the talent that is, is very in your wheelhouse. This time we have the talent that's in my wheelhouse. I'm really excited to have uh, Judge Moore here. But how have you been affected, uh, Dr. Tarver, by the, the haphazard imbalance or incongruent administration of justice throughout the American experience? I've just watched it. Uh, and time and time again, the 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 third branch, uh, as it were, of our government in the, the triumvirate or the balance of checks of balance of powers, we have the judiciary. And at the Supreme Court, as high as the Supreme Court, there was a case called the Dred Scott decision. In that case, the Supreme Court said, there is no right of the, of the black man that the white man has to respect. Now the Supreme Court later came back and said that was the worst decision I ever made. It wasn't even a it wasn't even a a court decision. It was just a, but it was it was something that the court still reeks from from that kind of of, of experience. And when you have the judiciary that should be detached and neutral, it should be fair. It should be fair and balanced. That terrifies you. That you say this is the place where I can get some fairness. Um, and so that's what I wanted to talk to you about, Dr. Tarver. What are, How have you seen the impacts of this um, in, in your field?
1: Well, of course, as a licensed mental health provider, one of the huge areas of, of concern for us is how people with mental health are treated disproportionately, particularly if they're black. So for example, you have a, a, a black male with um, on the autism spectrum, so Asperger's disorder, who is 18 years old, people call the police on him, say he's being a nuisance. Uh, He gets to get in front of a judge uh, and 11 days with no bail, not able to interact with his mother. By the time she interacts with him, he's mute, can't even speak. But on the other hand, you have this um, 18 year old male, well, he was 20 at the time, with this affluent affluenza defense where he kills four people um, and serves no jail time gets 10 years probation, and people just say, oh, because he had a lot of money and privilege, he didn't understand what he was doing. So here we have someone with a diagnosable mental health disorder who is sentenced to jail, no bail, and then finally gets off to a a mental health facility. And someone else who is a white male, who this affluenza defense, because he has privilege, allows him to not be able to serve any time after killing four people. So that that affects the mental health field significantly because we see a lot of people with mental health disorders being put in jails when they should not be. They should be sent to recovery facilities, but instead they're serving time uh, much more higher rates for our Black and Brown people than for their Caucasian counterparts.
0: And that's something that I've been struggling with. I've been a lawyer for quite a while, 15, 16, going to 16 years. And, and one of the struggles that I had with my own profession, this was my dream job. I wanted to be a lawyer since I was a kid. I wanted to be really the Carlos Moore of Grenada. Uh, when I was when I was a kid, I was like, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna save my people. And and when I see some of the things that some of these judges do, some of these things that some of these judges allow in the courtroom, and this time period, I mean, I literally I served as a prosecutor. I, I've done all of this stuff trying to be uh, a, a good advocate of justice and a minute and helping with the administrative uh, administration of justice as an officer of the court. But I've just been struggling with the constant um, um, lack of accountability from police or the, the, the overzealous uh, prosecution of African Americans. I saw a guy be charged with 36 felonies from having a party for COVID-19. They ended up dropping most of them, but that offended me so much. So it was so important for me that we bring on somebody with the talent from the judiciary that has world-class talent that we're lucky enough to... to, to uh, buffer him in, and one of his many—he's <laughs> got probably three shows to be on TV today—and we're lucky enough to get him in. So, without further ado, let me do privilege this time. I always let you. I let will you, let you have it. This is this
1: Please is you know. I,
0: I'm
1: outside of my weight class, so I'm
0: just gonna <laughs> no. <laughs> So without further, further ado, we have Carlos E. Moore, the managing partner of the Cochran Firm, Mississippi Delta, located in Grenada, Mississippi, has been a trial lawyer for 17 years, focusing on, um, you know, complex litigation involving civil rights, police brutality, catastroph- catastrophic personal injury, wrongful death, and the list goes on at his firm. You can go down and check out the website on the Cochran Firm. He has handled hundreds of litigation matters uh and he, he's he practices in, in, in courts federal court state courts federal court administrative agencies and he's in mississippi and louisiana and did i mention he's with the johnny cochran law firm the big johnny cochran uh, he's he's a white house fellows Fund, regional farmers 2012 rising star uh mitch south super lawyers 2010 through 16. outstanding young lawyers of mississippi Presidential awards for outstanding service at the National Bar Association. Served as the vice president, and he's going to be our future president. At the, I'm I'm claiming this in his name already, uh, for the National Bar Association. Uh, He served as the vice president there from 2014 to 2016. He's an American Bar Foundation fellow um, uh, from 2015 to present. Million dollar Advocates Forum 2011 to present. Member at large, Executive Committee, National Association, uh, the National Bar Association. That's the NBA uh, from 2010, uh, not that NBA, the NBA, uh, National Board <laughs> Association, 2010, 2014. And so without further ado, with all of that hoopla, help me welcome Judge Carlos Moore. Thank right. you, Attorney Winter, Welcome to the show, Judge. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, listen, Dr. Tarver and I are so excited, you know, to have you on the show uh, we're going to get down to the brass tacks well. You heard our opening. You heard my passion about it. You heard Dr. Tarver's you know, overarching concerns. The biggest thing for us is that uh, in Grenada's hundred, Grenada, Mississippi, our hometown, 150-year uh, existence since 1870, since Pittsburgh and Tullahoma merged through a marriage, a uh, fabled marriage, you're the first African-American judge pro temp. Um, and I know you've been a judge in, in Clarksdale for a while, Clarksdale, Mississippi for a while. But how does that feel? What did it feel like to your family? How did the community receive this historic moment?
2: It was very well received specifically in the African-American community in Grenada. Uh, It was long overdue and I'm blessed uh, that uh, I got the vote of confidence uh, from the majority of the city council to give me an opportunity to serve the people. It's all about service and and being fair and having uh, the the bench reflect the community. Grenada has long been for nearly 20 years uh, majority African-American. And so it's high time uh, that the judiciary reflect that, and I'm happy uh, to have been selected. My family was thrilled, so they were there with me when I was sworn in for the historic occasion. And Several friends, uh, my friend from, a good friend from my school swore me in, who's also a judge uh, over in Greenwood. So that was a special moment for me. That's
0: fantastic. Uh, um, You know, that's... um that's fantastic. It, it, you know, but what would make someone with that kind of world-class talent, you went to USA, University of Southern Alabama, you went to Florida State for law school. Why would you be in Mississippi?
2: Well, I wish it was an altruistic uh, reason, but really, I was uh, chasing a skirt tail. My wife is from uh, Grenada <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when, we got ma- <laughs> when we got married. Uh, she was finishing up uh, nursing school at Delta State, and we wanted to go ahead and get married. So I visited Ole Miss. I left Florida State for a year, visited Ole Miss Law School uh, for my last year. Then I transferred the credits back into Florida State and graduated there. I happened to get a job in Grenada, uh, clerking for a small firm there. They offered me a job uh, as an attorney, and I stayed there as an associate uh, attorney for four years until I started my own law firm, but had I got a job in Florida, had I not fallen in love, I probably would have been in Florida, I probably would have been in, in Atlanta, uh, but I fell in love, and that brought me back to Mississippi. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Uh, That's a great
1: yeah. reason, Judge, great
2: reason.
0: Jason, <laughs> <It's a, laughs> the skirt. Uh, that, well, listen, that, that, there's this case that, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with, and it's, it's buzz going around the internet. In the Twelfth Judicial District Court of Florida, there's a uh, the Lloyd and uh, uh, Letten, uh, in their case, in their, uh case, uh, where judges are refuting this viral meme that's circulating on, on Instagram and social media uh, about an unfairly uh, sentenced uh, black defendant in Martin County robbery case or so harsher term than the white one. The allegation is that there was disparate treatment between the two young adults. Um, you know, the white kid, Chase Leitner, was 19. He robbed uh, three men and a drug deal, 2008 uh, drug deal. Uh, Lamar Lloyd, the African-American, was 21 when he stuck up a pizza uh, hut and gas station in 2009. Both men pleaded no contest, and Judge Bauer uh, uh, sentenced them on the exact same day. Uh, Leitner got the the leg in there, the white kid. He gets... Um, uh, two years in the county jail, and then Lloyd got 26 years in prison. 26 years in prison, and, and, and most people are just concerned, what, how is that even possible for these two men to have the same plea, one's black, one's white, and one gets 26 years in prison, and the other one gets two years in the county jail, and undoubtedly probably got out of there before that. That's concerning and disconcerting to any layperson. person. Hell, it's disconcerting to me as a jurist for, you know, with three law degrees and, 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 and I don't understand that over the course right now. Can you help us through that judge?
2: Yeah, sometimes you just have to call a spade a spade. It's apparent in that instance, uh, in all likelihood that uh, uh, the lady justice was not blind and that uh, racism played a factor. What I didn't hear from the scenario was both, there were two, two counts of armed robbery. Uh, one perpetrator was white and one perpetrator was black. The only thing I'm missing before I can give my definite uh, opinion is what happened to the people that were robbed? Did anyone get hurt worse than the yeah. other? Or was it just armed robberies with no injuries?
0: No injuries, so no injuries. And their points were the same. You know how when you do the sentencing okay. guidelines, based on my research their points were the same their points calculated the same when you get the reference brought to you as a judge these points matter you know and that's what's gonna go into the sentencing so i struggled with it i did i did so much pre-production work trying to research this because i'm just at a loss
2: yeah that now having that uh, to factor into the equation there's nothing i'm led to believe nothing else uh factor into the to his decision but racism and he uh, saw someone looked like him and gave, uh, the judge saw someone look like him or her and gave them a break, uh, a lesser sentence, and someone else that was estranged and had no uh, uh, similarities to the judge, he, gave, he threw the book at them. And that is uh, what we see time and time again uh, by judges as well as prosecutors in, uh, across America and Mississippi. So I can tell you countless stories just like that.
0: That's, that's disturbing. Dr. Tarver?
1: Um, Judge, I uh, in the opening talked about mental health issues, so of course, uh, Attorney Winners has given me the privilege to be able to address some mental health because I am absolutely outside of my weight class with the legal issues you all will be discussing throughout this show. Um, so, if you will uh, give some time and attention, I, I want to address um, what I feel like are disparities in people that have mental health conditions who are arrested, and when it comes to time for sentencing. Uh, Now, the National Alliance for Mental Illness uh, created what they call Surviving Safely, which was supposed to be training designated to police officers, designated to to courts to talk to people about how to address individuals that have mental health concerns. And I'm aware that in some states there are mental health courts where people do go when they have a mental health um, identified illness. But what, what are some conditions in which a person may be that their mental health may be considered in terms of the judgment that they receive uh, at the hands of the court.
2: In Mississippi in criminal court, uh, uh, the defense attorney can file a motion for a mental evaluation to see if the uh, defendant is mentally competent to stand trial. Uh, some individuals that may be schizophrenic or have other mental uh, disabilities or uh, conditions, uh, diagnoses, they... Uh, may need to have an examination. It's up to their uh, defense attorney to file a motion or the judge could do so sui sponte and have them seen usually by two psychiatrists or two psychologists or a physician or a psychiatrist and a psychologist get two opinions and determine if they are mentally competent to stand trial and to assist the lawyer uh, in their trial. If they are not mentally competent to stand trial, uh, you cannot go forward with the criminal proceedings uh, and the a circuit judge, a criminal judge, will then direct uh, or refer to a chancery judge, an equity judge, to have them committed uh, to, to uh, see if they can be restored uh, mentally to stand trial. And if they can't be restored, uh, they, uh, the doctors say that, the psychologists say that, and then they are um, never tried uh, for that criminal offense. And then you have individuals that may, their family may notice that they need some help. Uh, They can have them committed involuntarily. You have to go through the court system, have them evaluated by physicians again or psychologists, and uh, they certify that they need some treatment and uh, put on the evidence, have a little hearing with the judge, and then the judge can involuntarily commit them for maybe 90 days or, or, or even more to get treatment. Uh, so that they're not a danger to themselves or others. But you have to allege that they are a danger to themselves or others before they can be uh, involuntarily committed. Mm-hmm.
1: So that whole, as a follow-up, um, alleging that they're a danger to themselves or others, that seems to be, um, the difference seems to be that for for maybe white defendants, they are much more likely to get that support from family or, or have uh, an attorney that advocates for that or, or or use that as a defense, whereas for or it seems like for black defendants, they are less likely to be seen in that in that way, where, whereas it's more often that they're questioned whether or not there is a true mental illness there. Uh, wh- what has been your experience with that, if you've had any? Have you noticed any of those disparities yourself?
2: Yes, in, in municipal court, uh, specifically in Clarksdale, there have been several instances or a few instances where people have come to me that were obviously in need of mental health treatment, mm-hmm. and so sentencing them to jail uh, because of the alleged crime they committed. Uh, I would... Uh, send them to region nine or re- whatever appropriate region, uh, mental health facility or uh, whatever community crisis center or wherever they could get some help. Some of them just need anger management. Some of them actually need uh, real mental treatment. And so we don't hold them in the penal uh, system. Uh, we, uh, or the local jail, we try to uh, make sure they get the treatment that they need because it's, it's clearly a sickness. It's an illness. It's kind of like the opioid crisis. Now it's just a public health crisis, but when it was cracked, uh, it was just the biggest crime, and we sent all these blacks to jail. But when it happens in the white community, it's right. a public health crisis. When it happens in our community, it's a crime, and you need to go and not receive uh, rehabilitation, but just be penalized, and that's unacceptable in my courtroom. I'm with try If I see you have a problem whether there's drugs or mental, we're going to try to deal with the problem and get you the help you need. And then uh, if we resolve that, then we don't have to hold you responsible criminally a lot of the time. Any winners?
0: No, no I, think that's, uh, I think that's admirable, Judge, that, that we have to get people in that because that is exactly what I saw. I mean, I, I just, I was a stupor when, when all of a sudden this was some public health crises with the drug. And it was, I mean, it was like a grave, grave, grave concern. Um, and, and we're going to take a, a, a quick break here. Uh, We are on, uh, in our own defense, we're discussing racism in the administration of justice. Dr. Tarver and I have our special guest, Judge Carlos Moore. Uh, We'll be right back after this brief message.